Hello! Welcome to the second episode of Field Notes and Folklore. I am your host, Becca. Today, we're going to be talking about a spring wildflower commonly called mayapple. Like most plants, it has many different common names. So, some names that it has include mayapple, as we already said, Indian apple, wild mandrake, palm de mai, American mandrake, devil's apple, duck's foot, hog apple, Indian apple root, mandrake, raccoon berry, umbrella leaf, and wild lemon. We'll go into some of these other names a little bit later. But it is really important to also put scientific names with plants. In this case, because of the whole mandrake thing versus mayapple, because they are not the same plant. Again, we'll get into this just a little bit later. So the scientific name for mayapple is Podophyllum peltatum. Podophyllum peltatum. Podophyllum peltatum. So... From here on out, I'll just use Mayapple. It's a lot easier to say than a whole scientific name, and it'll make following along just a little bit easier. So I know I just said that we were going to move on from the scientific name, but I do want to talk just a little bit about what its name means because it can help in identifying it. So Podophyllum, the genus of the Mayapple, originates from Greek, the Greek paus or podos, meaning foot. And phylon means leaf, which is referring to the shape of the leaf. So it is a foot leaf. And then peltatum, the species name in the scientific name, refers to what is called a peltate leaf. These are a type of leaf that are Somewhat shield-shaped, peltate leaves are specifically when the petiole, which is like the stem of the leaf, when the petiole is attached to the lower surface of the leaf rather than by its margin, which is like the side of the leaf. Like a normal tree leaf, it's normally attached at the margin. But peltate leaves are attached by the lower surface of the leaf, so it's like a little shield. So for this wildflower, it's really important to know the time of year that it's around. It is a early spring wildflower, so you'll start to see it in March, and then in April and May, you can see the flowers of it. But then by summer, and especially late summer into fall, you don't see them anywhere. So whenever they go to fruit during early summer... After fruiting, they go dormant, so you don't see them anymore. And then come early spring, they pop up again. They are one of the first plants to emerge in spring. So early spring is when you're going to want to look for these. And the types of places that you're looking for are typically damp open woods. So open woods are typically when the canopy cover covers about 50 to 80% of the area. So you'll see dappled sunlight. The canopy cover is the leaf cover that the forest gives. And especially in this early spring, they're not going to have their leaves yet. So the mayapples are going to have that dappled sunlight that they really like. 
You can also find them along shady fields, by roadsides and riverbanks. And geography-wise, they can be found in most of eastern North America and as far south as Texas. So here in Ohio, they're really, really common. So now that you know where to look, you need to know what to look for. These wildflowers are only about one to one and a half feet tall, so they're really not very big at all. In centimeters, that's 30 to 45 centimeters. They have these umbrella-like leaves. It's, to the untrained eye, it does look like multiple leaves. But actually, each plant only has one or two leaves. They are deeply lobed and divided, which makes it look like they're separate leaves. But if you look at the stem coming up from the ground, there's only one or two leaves. It's all one leaf. It's all connected. Only the plants that have two leaves can flower. So if you only see one umbrella-like leaf, then you're not going to find a flower on that plant. On the plants that can flower, those are called the fertile plants. And the ones that cannot, the one-leaved plants, those are infertile. So when talking about the flowers, we are talking specifically about the fertile plants. Looking at a mayapple forest, as they are commonly called, because they do like to grow in big groups all at once, you are not likely to see the flowers just looking at the plant from a normal human vantage point. The flowers are located in the axle of the leaves. So the axle is where those petioles, which again is the stem-like structure coming off of the leaf. And in this case, as we heard earlier, these shield-shaped leaves, the petiole is coming directly from the bottom of it. So where these two petioles attach to the stem in a V-like shape is where the flower is. And these flowers are usually white, sometimes pinkish, sometimes pinkish, rosy, or purplish. And they have six to nine petals and are about two to three inches or five to eight centimeters across. And they do have pretty waxy looking leaves, almost like how rose petals look, that sort of waxiness. So to see a flower, you are going to have to look underneath of the leaf. Please don't touch the plant. These can cause contact dermatitis. So just bend over and see if a flower is there. That'll typically, again, be in April or May. If you're looking for the fruit, it'll be May to June, depending on your region and how far, how far north or south you are. And the fruit of these plants develop right where the flower was, so right in that axle point of the fertile mayapples, so the two-leaved mayapples. And the fruit develops into a large, fleshy, lemon-shaped berry. So it's not all that big. It's about an inch and a half long or three to eight centimeters. And it's green whenever it's not ripe, and it's about a golden yellow when it's ripe. I will post pictures of the different parts of the mayapple plant in case if anybody is a more visual person like me, 
I know for me, just reading a description in a book or trying to visualize it from a podcast can be kind of hard. So I will post pictures of that for those that prefer to look at pictures. Plus, honestly, it does help with identification. Once you see it, you'll probably recognize that you have seen it before if you've been in these settings at the right time because they are a pretty unique plant. Based on how they look and what I knew about them, I was honestly kind of surprised to find out how closely related they are to some different plants that are totally different. So looking a bit bigger picture, the order that they are in is called Ranunculalis, which is the buttercup family. Buttercups, I guess, kind of make sense. They're a wildflower. That's all I got on that. But also in that order are marsh marigolds, also known as cowslips, which I did not know that common name, and columbines, which are absolutely beautiful. Getting just a little bit smaller, they are in the Berberidaceae family, which is the barberry family. They are pretty closely related to the ornamental barberry and heavenly bamboo, which is often an indoor houseplant, and that one's scientific name is Nandina domestica. So I don't think mayapples look anything like the ornamental barberries. That is a shrub, and this is a little wildflower, a single or double-leaved wildflower. So that kind of surprised me. Mayapples are a perennial which is great because it means they will come back year after year and they do provide ecological value. So their flowers attract bumblebees and other long-tongued bees. Anything that attracts bumblebees, I am partial to because I do have a specialty in bumblebees. I absolutely love them. I think they're the cutest things ever. When it comes to the fruit of the mayapple, They are eaten by wildlife, including squirrels, possums, raccoons, skunks, and box turtles. So box turtles are actually the primary seed spreader of the mayapple. The turtle eats the fruit, which includes the seeds, and then the turtle slowly walks away, going wherever it's going. And as they poop, the seeds come out in the poop, and... Thus gets a newly planted mayapple spread by the box turtle, which I found that really fascinating. I really enjoyed that. There's also evidence that larvae of the sawfly, which is Aglaustigma. I am not going to try to pronounce the species name on that one. I am not a sawfly person, and this scientific name has a lot of letters. Uh, but these larvae feed on the leaves. There's also another study that showed that thrips adults, which is a type of insect, was found on the foliage of the mayapples. The mayapples aren't really eaten by deer or that sort of thing. Only the fruit is eaten. Animals don't really eat the leaves, and that's because it's poisonous and it's also bitter. A lot of times when something's bitter like that, it's saying, hey, don't eat me. I'm not good to eat. And in this case, 
it's also poisonous, so they don't really get foraged on. As with a lot of plants, there's also mycorrhizal associations with the rhizome systems of these mayapples. So a mycorrhizal association is a plant-fungi relationship where both benefit symmetrically. It's really, really common in the plant world, and I'll probably dive into it in a separate episode at one point because there is a lot to it, and it's super fascinating. But this has also been witnessed in the mayapple as well. So because this plant is so poisonous, it is highly toxic. The cultural connections between mayapples and humans are a bit unique and very fascinating. So again, despite apple being in the name of this plant, do not eat this plant. Only the ripe fruit is edible, and even then, I do not recommend foraging this fruit because if you get it unripe, it is poisonous. And also, I just don't recommend foraging in general unless you are guided by an expert that is properly identifying the plants. I don't want anybody to get hurt. So please, please do not eat this plant. I also don't recommend touching this plant because it can cause severe contact dermatitis as well. So that being said, the ripe fruit is edible raw and it's said to have a lemon-like flavor. People have used it in the past to make jams, jellies, marmalade, that sort of thing. For other uses, despite it being toxic, the toxic property actually gives it a really, really fascinating benefit to humanity. So, mayapple contains the toxin podophyllotoxin, which is the toxin that gives the plant the potential for the contact dermatitis. So, this is the same thing that can harm you. However, this toxin can be used medically by professionals. Again, please do not try to use this in your own remedies. This has been tested in lab settings and isolated and used in different ways scientifically. So, research has shown that podophyllotoxin has a potential use for anti-cancer treatment, specifically in the treatment of tumor cells. This toxin has been shown to inhibit or halt the development of a cancer tumor. That's pretty serious. It's also been used as a treatment for psoriasis and as an antiviral agent. Since its founding in 1820, over 200 years ago, the United States Pharmacopoeia listed P. peltatum as a purgative and antihelminthic. Also in the United States, from the 1800s to the early 1900s, mayapple extract was used as an active ingredient in a product called Carter's Little Liver Pills. 
I found that all super fascinating that it was used historically medicinally before we even knew what this toxin was. So because mayapple is native to the United States, it's not a plant that was historically used in Europe. And therefore, when Europeans came to America, we had to learn how to use it. But this plant was being used long before Europeans came to America. Now, before I go into historical Native American uses, I do need to be completely transparent here. I am a white woman of European heritage. This is not my history, nor do these statements reflect the practices of any specific group. This was just some general information that I did find And please do keep in mind that these people have had relationships with the land, the plants, the animals, far longer than Europeans have been here. We are living on stolen land. We did not discover these plants. The indigenous peoples were using these plants in various practices for a long time. And to be quite frank, the United States have done a great disservice to these people by stealing their land, treating them in absolutely horrendous ways, forcing them to move. We unfortunately have a very deep and dark history against indigenous people. So please keep that in mind. Again, this does not reflect any specific group. This is more general uses that I was able to find. I do highly, highly recommend looking into Native American history specific to your area and United States American history. I didn't learn any of this in school. I had to learn all of this as an adult in life, and a lot of it I didn't know even up until a couple years ago or recently. Here in Ohio, there is an organization called the Native American Indian Center of Central Ohio. They do have a few different fundraisers going on, so make sure to check them out. It is naicco.com. Donate to them. Donate to other Native American tribes in your area. Do some research and do your best to continue to respect the land and the people that lived here originally. That being said, different Native American tribes used mayapple as a powerful purgative, like a laxative. Small doses could be used as a way to cause vomiting, and they also used it as a way to get rid of intestinal worms. So a lot of digestive things going on, and In the agricultural sense, they used it as an insecticide on crops to protect their crops from insects. So moving on to just a little bit of cultural reference behind some of the other common names. Some of the common names do include mandrake. So it is called wild mandrake or American mandrake because The root looks similar to European mandrake, 
which is a completely different plant. European mandrake is mandragon officinarum. European mandrake is mandragon officinarum. And as I said before, they are completely different plants. Mayapple or American mandrake is highly, highly toxic. Another similarity between the two that did lead to similar naming is that in Mayapple is that once the English found out about Mayapple, they used it as a purgative as they also used European mandrake as a purgative. So both were also used in similar ways in addition to their roots looking similar. If you remember from the beginning of the episode, one of the other common names of Mayapple is duck's foot. And as we learned earlier, the scientific name, whoever made the name thought it looked like a foot, thought these leaves looked foot-like, and this is kind of where that duck's foot comes into play. So in 1700, the French botanist Joseph Pitton de Tournefort gave Mayapple the Latin name of Anapodophyllum canadense, Marini. So a bit of a longer name. Uh, and that genus, Anapodophyllum, means duck's foot leaf. So we learned Podophyllum, foot leaf, and that Anna at the beginning is duck's foot leaf. The genus name eventually shortened to Podophyllum, which is what it is today, and the species named changed from Canadense marini to Peltatum. So that is where the duck's foot comes from. So one last thing before I wrap up here, I found a poem about Mayapples written by Minnie Curtis Waite, way back in 1901. So this poem is over a hundred years old and it is titled Mandrakes. Down in the shady woodland where fern fronds are uncurled, a host of green umbrellas are swiftly now unfurled. Do they shelter fairy people from sudden pelting showers? Or are the leaves but sunshades to shield the waxen flowers? Perhaps they're dainty canopies neath which the fairies wed, the blossoms' fragrant marriage bells that softly swing overhead. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Field Notes and Folklore. If you would like to join us over on Facebook, that is facebook.com slash groups slash Field Notes and Folklore. The podcast is on Instagram and TikTok at Field Notes and Folklore. And if you would like to support the show, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash fieldnotes and folklore. There are three different tiers starting at $5 per month, and there's different benefits associated with each tier. I do create exclusive content over there as well as different benefits for each tier level. I know these first two episodes dropped both on the same day, but from here on out, Episodes will be released on Tuesdays every two weeks, and there's a special surprise in the works for every 10th episode. So as it gets closer to that time, 
I will announce what those special episodes will be. Those will be every 10 episodes. The first special episode will be coming up in early October, so stay tuned for that. I am incredibly excited about this podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will see you in two weeks. The order that they are in is called Ranunculal. The order that they are in is called Ranuncul. Ranunculalis. The order that they are in is called Ranunculalis, which is the buttercup family.